Hey, how are you doing? Dean Dwyer, welcome to another episode of The Mindset Show. Um, I am back in Toronto, my friends. I am back in Toronto. This is my first episode since I've been back. I've been back about three days, so it's been it's been weird. You know what? It's been weird because yeah, I've had people ask me like, you know, are you glad to be back? And was I glad to be leaving Sudbury and all these things? And I got to tell you, so I was gone one year and three weeks, and it feels like I was gone three weeks. Like I feel like I never left. It was so weird. By the way, that noise in the background is my cat scratching my furniture, which he isn't supposed to do, but. Not much I can do now. He's uh, 18 and a half years old. I can't, uh, I can't, I should have trained, I should have trained him better when he was younger. Anyhow. Um, yeah. So I'm back in Toronto. Pretty excited about being back. It's, uh, uh, you know, I forgot how much I have access to here. That one of the challenges in Sudbury was that, you know, my father lived just outside the city. And so whenever there was one Starbucks in the city, six and a half kilometers away and really, not, uh, well, I was going to say not a lot, but like you had to walk a long way to get to any place of significance. I can walk a kilometer in any direction of my place and either A, probably hit a Starbucks or B, you know, get someplace interesting where I can pick something up or whatever. So everything is not a six and a half kilometer trip. So anyhow, uh, but I, this podcast is not about being back. I actually had to record, uh, I recorded this podcast. I didn't do an intro. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Anyhow, it's uh, it's about a mindset that I absolutely love. And uh, I, I talk a little bit about it, about uh, who I stole that mindset from. I'm going to put that in quotation marks because that's a good steal and I give her credit for it. But it's, uh, the mindset is that everything is figureoutable. And I tell a couple of stories uh, to sort of reinforce that. And then, of course, at the end of the show, I always sort of direct it back to you about how you can take that mindset and apply it in seemingly unrelated areas uh, of your life where maybe you have uh, sort of bought into the idea that something is impossible. Um, I think that's all I'm going to say. And uh, in order to not make this complicated, I am, there's not going to be any musical you know, interlude that takes us into that section. I'm just going to stop talking in a couple seconds and then boom, I'll be right into the episode. You ready? All right, here we go. So I just wanted to share something that I wrote in my journal. I don't know why I'm yelling, by the way. I just wanted to share something that I put in my journal and share a couple of stories that kind of illustrate this mindset that I absolutely love. So I'll tell you the mindset first. Let's set the tone for this show. The mindset is everything is figureoutable. I'm going to repeat that because you probably think, did he just say what I thought he said? Everything is figureoutable. Now, figureoutable, is it a word? I do not believe it is. Did I make it up? Nope. No, I actually got this idea, that phrase, actually, this phrase, who I saw it from, and I'm assuming she's the originator of it, is Marie Forleo. Um, you can find out more about Marie Forleo at marieforleo.com. She does a, a weekly YouTube show interviewing you know, amazing people doing amazing things. She, she, she's doing some incredible stuff out in the world and has been for quite a while now. And I, again, I don't know where I saw it, but I saw that. And that fits in perfectly in line with how I see the world. Because I do believe that. I do believe that everything is figureoutable. If we're willing to persist, if we're willing to put in the time, if we're willing to put in the effort, that eventually a problem that seems insolvable, something that almost seems impossible, 
will fall if, you know, again, we're willing to, to, to do those three things that I just mentioned. And so I want to share two examples. And the first one I'm going to share almost doesn't seem like it's proven my point. In fact, it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite. But I'll tell you why I shared that story. So the first, actually, both of these are animal-related stories. So the first one uh, is a story around a rabbit that I used to have. How I got the rabbits a whole, well, I'll, I'll tell you the quick thing. It was a school rabbit, actually. I taught at a school. wasn't looking to have a rabbit. I was teaching at a school where uh, one of the uh, classes had a rabbit as a pet at the end of the year. I think it was a grade six class. At the end of the year, one of the kids uh, was going to be taking the rabbit home for good. Kid brought the rabbit back in September, said my mom won't let me keep her. And so he was a school rabbit. And initially, the teacher responsible was bringing the, the, bringing the rabbit home on the weekends. I happened to notice on the second weekend, I happened to walk by her classroom, and I saw that the rabbit was in his cage. And he, so just with a big pile of food in this cage, I'm like, you can't do that to an animal. So he was staying in this cage by himself for the entire weekend. I'm like, you can't do that to an animal. So I just took him. <laughs> I took him home. And I ended up having him for seven years. But after about five and a half years, he developed an abscess on his left front paw. And man, I went through... Now, this was a situation where I knew that there was a solution to this problem. I just didn't know if I was going to have the time to be able to find that solution. I knew that there was a vet somewhere, somewhere in the world that... Would have, or, or it didn't even have to be a vet, that somebody had an answer to this problem. I knew it was figure outable. So initially, I went to, first of all, it's incredible actually how few vets actually deal with rabbits. They're a very peculiar little critter. And so not every vet deals with rabbits. And my, my guy was, uh, his name was Bubbles. He was hilarious. Like he was, this guy was so funny. But uh, you couldn't pick him up. You know, some rabbits you see these lovely commercials and kids, you know, picking up rabbits. I could not pick him up. He would he would thrash his back legs violently, his whole body violently if you picked him up. So if I ever did have to pick him up, and I only did it on the rare occasions, I would have to pick him up underneath, you know, his front legs and his belly, and I'd have to pin his back to my chest so that he wouldn't kick, because he could literally break his spine, you know, by kicking and thrashing and everything else. Anyhow... I digress. So first vet I took them to, they just did surgery and, or they said surgery would, you know, we would remove this abscess that he had and he'd be, he'd be all great. I think that was like 1500 bucks, but I'm like, listen, if this is going to get rid of the problem and he's going to get back to a normal life, then let's do it. So we did that. And about three months later, it came back and they were out of, they didn't know what else to do. Oh no, sorry, sorry. So then their next solution was some sort of injection that you would give him, and it was some sort of antibiotic. And I had to do that. Well, sorry, I didn't have to do that. It was either me bring him into the vet every day, which would have uh, been a tremendous time suck to to have to do that every because that vet was a long way away, and it would have been really expensive. And so they showed me how to give him needles. The most stressful thing I have ever done Ever in my entire life is to give that little critter needles. That's a whole different story. Anyhow, that worked for a while, and then it came back, and we did the injections again, and it didn't work anymore. 
And so I, again, I knew that there had to be a way to figure this out. They recommended that I go to another clinic that was about an hour, about an hour away. It was outside the city in a small uh, town city called Guelph, but they had a, they specialized in rabbits. So I went there and I was probably there seven or eight times. We tried some sort of holistic solution and that didn't work. And then finally she said, the last resort, because this is getting worse now, the last resort is amputation, which was horrifying to hear. And I ended up, after consulting with her, I was really concerned about his quality of life. Like, I mean, how, you know, how is he, like, is this going to drastically impact his life? And she said, you know, they're incredibly resilient. So I obviously didn't want to do that, but I thought if I could do that and give him another year or two of a good quality of life, I'm going to do that. So we ended up doing that. And I will tell you, it did not change him at all. Like, he used to jump up on my couch, which is about two feet high. I thought, well, he's not going to be doing that anymore. Wrong. He would still jump up on it. He was. Ju- I thought, well, how are you going to jump down? You've only got one leg. He, he was able to do it. It was amazing how resilient he was. And I did. I was hoping to get two years. We only got one year, and then I had to put him down. And, of course, any of you who have had an animal know how incredibly difficult that is. But I, I could take solace in the fact that, first of all, he was no longer living in a cage. He was at my place. He, 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 was, he went outside every day. I had a yard that was all, I fenced, I, it was all fenced off and I plugged any holes where he could get out. He could go outside every day. It was pretty funny actually because he would just hop out of his cage. He'd hop over to the door. I'd open it up. He'd hop out, hop up the stairs into the backyard. And then when he wanted to come in, he'd hop back down the stairs. He'd scratch on the door. Incredibly smart too. Like this guy was amazing. And then he'd hop back in again. So it was really great. And I, I felt great about the fact that I gave him a great seven years of his life. You know, the last year and a half, I did feel bad for him because we were constantly trying to figure this problem out. But anyway, I ended up having to put him down. Now, that doesn't really seem to tie into everything is figure outable, but I'm going to go back to it. I know that there was a solution to that problem. I know there was. I just wasn't able to find someone somewhere that did have the solution that would fix that. Like I knew that was not an impossible solution to fix. The people that I came in contact with couldn't figure it out, but it didn't mean it wasn't figure outable. So it didn't, even after I had to put them down, I'm like, man, there's, I felt bad that I couldn't find the solution. I just didn't have enough time. I didn't have enough time to find it, but I know that there was a solution out there for that. So it did not, I, it did not dampen my mindset on that. So now that's the first story. Let me tell you the second story. And this is, this is why I was writing about it in my journal today. So I also have a cat. Also, didn't plan on having a cat. A friend of mine went to a party one time and came home with a kitten. I was living in their basement apartment. We were good friends. She found out she was allergic to him, asked if the cat could stay with me. I said, sure. Three months later, we had to move out. And I said, this critter is coming with me. So I took him too. And uh, great cat. He's still going, 18 and a half. He's kind of like me. You know, we both, our eyesight's not quite what it used to be. We both had uh, operations on our knees. He got hit by a car. I got hit by a volleyball player. And uh, we're not quite the same, you know, we kind of, you know, don't have quite the same um, agility that we once had, but you know, we're still going strong. But he is, <laughs> I don't know what it is with animals you can't pick up. You, you cannot, like, I cannot pick, well, sorry, I can pick my cat up, but he's got a, an expiration date with that. Like after, you know, it expires pretty quickly and you can't pet him on his back end. You can't pet his stomach. 
Sorry, you can pet him on the back end. You can pet his stomach if you don't mind having your arm shoot off. So, it, and it's always been like that. It's just the way it is. Anyhow, last week I noticed that because of his bad leg, he can't, and the, the doctor told me this at the time, that he'll probably develop arthritis in that leg at some point, which is very similar to what I was told with my knee too, that it's just not the same. Like it doesn't, it swells up when I walk. I don't have the same flexibility in it. So you have, you know, you just have to kind of work around it. You have to stretch along with those sorts of things, but he can't get around on that side. He can't get around to his back end to do proper cleaning. So some of the hair has matted at the back. And if you let matting go too long, it can be painful for a cat and stuff like that. My issue is I can't fix that problem myself. At least so I thought. Because I can't pick them up. I can't even touch them back there. Again, without... And here, I'll, I'll give you a quick story just to tell you how bad my cat is. So when he... When his leg was broken, he... Sorry, so he got hit by a car and I'd take him in for emergency surgery and all those sorts of things. So when I came in to see him the next day, I see on his cage, it says BA. Little, like a little sign says BA. I said, uh, hi. I said, what, uh, what do those initials stand for? She goes, oh, that's a bad attitude. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And like he would, as soon as you went close to the cage, you're like, Rrr! he'd start to growl and, and bite. And um, and three years ago, I had to bring him in because he wasn't eating. And so the vet wanted to run a bunch of tests, but one of them was physical. She had to feel his stomach with her hand to see if there was, you know, any obstructions or anything else in there. Well, good luck with that, my friend. Like, she had to bring in, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, she brought in another assistant who quite literally had leather gloves on that went up to her shoulders. She was armored up to the gills. It was actually really funny. And even then, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. She just finally said, you know what, we'll just, let's just start with the whatever, she was gonna, whatever pills we were going to give them and see if those work. And they did and everything was fine. So we didn't have to go back to do that. But she couldn't. She couldn't actually do it. So I'm like, how am I going to be able to actually, you know, get these hair mats off without losing a couple of arms and maybe my eyeballs? So I ended up, um, my sister's here in town. She's got a couple of pets. She's had to do some things with her pets in the past. So I called her for assistance. So the the plan was I wore this heavy... Uh, I have this heavy hoodie that it's almost like a fall hoodie. It's pretty thick. So I put that on because it's got long sleeves and I put the hood on. I literally put goggles on. My dad's got these goggles, uh, bigger than swimming goggles. I put those on just to protect my eyeballs and I held him and then she has this comb that's got a blade in it. And so she was able, so for about 20 minutes, we were cutting it out. Not a happy camper, uh, surprisingly better than I thought, but... We were able to get them off, and I was like, oh, man, that's fantastic. Because, again, I knew if I brought him to the vet, I don't even think the vet would have been able to, would have known, would have been able to handle him. Like, I would have had to help the vet. And I thought, well, if I'm going to help the vet, then I can probably do this on my own with the help of somebody else, which I was able to do. But I was thinking, I'm going back to, I'm going back to Toronto next month. And I'm, there has to, and I, I don't know anybody that I can recruit to help me in the future to do this, that there's got to be a way for me to do this on my own. Like this is, this is, this is figure out, like I'm thinking about it the wrong way. I'm thinking there's no way that I can do this, but it's figure outable. I got to figure out a way to do it. And I, I did something today that actually worked. So he lies in this rocking chair that I have, this padded rocking chair. And so he was there, and he was laying on his one side, and so I was petting him, 
But sneakily, I was actually looking to see if there were any remnants of any other little hair mats. And there was one, and it was a small one. And so you can't use scissors on a cat because, again, if he jerks violently or whatever, you know, you're going to do some damage. But you can use a clipper because a clipper is safe, provided that the noise doesn't scare him. And I I really thought, I thought, well, I'm going to try the clipper. I'm going to see if I can keep him calm, just keep him relaxed. Um, because I'm not hurting him by doing this. It's not like the other one where the vet was, you know, had to squeeze his stomach. I'm not hurting him. He just doesn't like his, you know, he's a bit of royalty, really. He's a diva. He doesn't like his back end touched. He's like, you know, yeah, leave me alone. Don't touch me. In fact, don't even make eye contact with me. So I was able to, so I'm like, this is, I've got to be able to figure out a way to do this on my own. So I just, I kept him calm. I found the one, I got my fingers under it and I have this little hair trimmer that, you know, you use for mustaches and stuff like that, which I do not have anymore, but I used to have a goatee back in the day when I thought they were cool. So I thought, well, maybe I can use that and hopefully the noise won't freak him out. Noise didn't freak him out. I was able to grab it, clip it off. No, I, I had all, all my limbs are still uh, present. My eyeballs are still working. They're still in my sockets. It worked wonderfully well. He didn't even react to it. And I thought, you know, there's my fix. I can actually, and I don't have to do them all at once. If I do them all at once, he's probably going to get annoyed. But I could probably do one or two, leave them, come back later, do a couple more. Or like, you know, just every day do a couple, but just so I can keep them off. So I've actually gone in the span of three days from thinking there was no way that I was going to be able to even get this done to I'd only be able to do it with somebody else to figuring out, no, this I can do it if I use the clipper and I get him when he's in a chair where he likes to sleep and he's relaxed, then I can actually do this by myself. And it's, it's painless. Everything is figureoutable. And, and the, let, me, let me sort of end this by saying, like, what's the value for you? And the value for you is what the value was for me was that sometimes I buy into the impossible. Right away, I start thinking, there's no way I can do this, which is the wrong way to frame this, right? That's the wrong way for me to be looking at anything. I should be looking at it like, okay, the way I'm thinking about this right now is really not doable. But how could I think about this or what solutions are out there that would allow me to do this, or even just again framing it like, listen, this is figureoutable. Don't approach it from the standpoint it's impossible. Approach it from the standpoint that, listen, with enough time, effort, and persistence, this is figureoutable. I just gotta, you know, I've just gotta be willing to run multiple experiments, ideas, and just keep noodling on it until I do come up with something that works. So back to you then. What's an area of your life where maybe you've sort of given up, where you have assumed that this is not figureoutable? I also apply this to this whole um, journey of building a successful body. And any of you out there who are listening to this who struggle with your weight, then you know, and you have not yet been able to get into your right size body, then you know what I'm talking about here. You've probably given up and said, this is not figureoutable. Everything is figureoutable. Everything is figureoutable. You know, diseases are figureoutable. Again, cancer is figureoutable. We haven't figured it out yet, but we keep getting closer and closer and closer to figuring it out. And there will be a day where that is no longer something that we're dying from. Thank and praise the baby Jesus when that happens. But everything is figureoutable. So, uh, noodle on that. 
What areas of your life have you maybe cut off the possibility of finding a solution because you said it's impossible? How could you flip that mindset to everything is figureoutable to open up, to again open up the possibilities to begin exploring how you can find a solution to that problem? That's it, my friend. A little longer than normal, isn't it? If you got to the end of this, A, thank you very much. B, uh, grateful that you are listening. C, I hope you have a great rest of today and a great rest of your week. And D, I don't know why I'm, I'm numbering these with letters or I'm lettering these things. But D is, if for some reason this is the last episode you ever listened to, have a great life. And I was going to say we'll talk to you soon. But if this is your last episode, we won't talk to you soon. But for the rest of you, but if this is not your last episode, sorry, I shouldn't say the rest of you because I'm talking to you. If this is not your last episode, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.